Hi everyone, welcome back to Nutra Champion, a podcast where we shine the spotlight on leading researchers who specialize in the study of nutrition and health. I'm Ting Ming, the editor of Nutra Ingredients Asia and your host for this podcast. In this episode, I'm honored to be joined by Dr. Imelda Angelis Agdepa, who is the newly appointed director leading Philippines Food and Nutrition Research Institute, which is a branch institute of the country's Department of Science and Technology. She is also the eighth director of the research institute, succeeding Dr. Mero V. Kapanzana, whom we also spoke with earlier this year. Dr. Imelda is a seasoned researcher in the field of nutrition, specializing in the research areas of malnutrition in children, in women, and non-communicable diseases such as diabetes and obesity. She is also involved in the ongoing study of using virgin coconut oil as a treatment and as a prophylaxis against COVID-19. This is a project which we will talk about also in this podcast. Hi, Dr. Imelda. It's a great pleasure to have you join me on this podcast. Yes, uh, thank you so much, Tim. And uh, thank you for uh, guesting me in this podcast. Thank you. Yeah, so for a start, right, perhaps uh, can you share with us on how do you feel about your new role? I guess it's a very exciting role as well. How do you feel about it? And how is it different from your previous roles? Yes, uh, um, well, I see my new role as uh, more of an, uh, as an opportunity to serve uh, on a much higher capacity. At the same time, uh, this is full of, uh, this uh, position is full of challenges uh, because this position requires a mix of management as well as uh, science and technology expert individual. Now, it is a truly a huge shift now in the way I perform or carry out my official functions, especially in terms of uh, the scope of leadership, no, responsibilities, representations of the other uh, international, national, and also in our DOST circle, uh, government agencies, to cabinet members, policymakers, as well as the local government units in the Philippines. Uh, so, of course, as the head of the Department of Science and Technology, Food and Nutrition Research Institute, uh, I have to strive uh, and to maintain the excellent reputation that has been built, no? Uh, by my previous predecessors in, in uh, the, the leadership of this uh, agency. So um, I have to maintain excellent reputation uh, of this institute in its dedicated workforce, of course. And I, so, I also feel um, blessed and honored to be the present bearer of the torts um, of the institute passed on to me by former directors who have uh, the exemplary pillars of uh, uh, that buttress the foundation of the institute. Now, um, as you know, Kim, I was, uh, uh, I have spent uh, my uh, long years here in the institute as a scientist. And therefore, um, I just uh, was talking with my uh, researcher. And then I said that uh, for 18 years, I have been uh, a full-pledged uh, researcher. And now I got a very huge uh, shift in my uh, career wherein um, I have to mix uh, leadership, management, and um, research. No? So uh, that's why uh, I see this as more of an opportunity. 
Indeed. Yeah, um, when we talk about leadership, right, I guess you will also be directing the types of nutrition research and the direction for the research. So um, what do you think you're going to prioritize in terms of nutrition and research? Yeah, uh, one of my immediate concern that needs to be uh, prioritized is the safe and efficient resumption of our face-to-face -face collection of uh, for the national uh, expanded uh, survey that was hampered by the pandemic um, because the results of this survey serves as a scientific basis for our research and development as well as uh, science and technology services and uh, we were so uh fearful before because um the 2020 uh, national nutrition survey uh did not push through and uh, we called back our researchers already fielded um that time in different provinces in the philippines um because of the pandemic so uh, i see the national the conduct of the national nutrition survey very important because this is the metrics um uh, for evaluation on how are we faring in achieving in achieving um, the sustainable development goals, and uh, these are also the basis for the very, uh, different uh, development plans of the country, as well as in crafting policies and uh, laws. So we are. I also uh, we are also gearing to conduct more researches on and development that will contribute in helping uh, address the pandemic in. Uh, also in mitigating its impact. So we just finished uh, one study uh, uh, on uh, COVID-19 um, probable and suspect cases using the VCO. So hand in hand with helping uh, address the pandemic is also contributing more services uh, to uh, caution the effect of uh, disasters and other natural uh, calamities on the nutritional status of our vulnerable population groups. Uh, we develop, uh, we continue developing uh, nutritious and fortified uh, food products from food technologies developed and rolled out by uh, us uh, to different technology adapters. So currently, uh, we are very active in conducting uh, technology transfer to different uh, investors. You know? uh, I also put more uh, emphasis on our researches in nutrigenomics. Uh, this is a very um, new thing at FNRI. Uh, we are already accredited as um, a nutrigenomics ISO accredited laboratory and discover what causes the nutritional problems of our country at the cellular level. So our works in nutrigenomics is more on a prescriptive nutrition. So just, um, just this morning, we were actually talking with uh, a partner in Davao wherein uh, we will be collaborating with them in terms of uh, uh, having uh, researches on nutrigenomics and metabolomics. I see. So those are the priorities that uh, I'd like to push for FNRI for the next um, few years. Wow, okay. Nutrigenomics and metabolomics. I think these are very cutting-edge kind of research. Yeah, yes. so well, why the reason? Well, I mean, like, what's the reason behind uh, wanting to go into this area of research? And how would it complement uh, the current efforts by the uh, Institute? Yes, uh, because, you know, uh, just like, for example, our diabetes and our uh, stunting problem, uh, it has been too long for us um, that this problem is persisting year in, year out. And uh, there are some efforts already posted by our different uh, government agencies to uh, 
to solve the stunting and diabetes. However, um, prevalences based on our National Nutrition Survey is somewhat uh, on a snail pace um, decline. No, So uh, we were thinking to link this maybe of some sort of metabolomics uh, or some uh, uh, aspects on their metabolites. Um, wherein uh, we have to study deeper into the individual. That's why I call it prescriptive nutrition. Is that because we want to dig deeper into that individual, what's actually causing stunting. It might be more on the exposure of the environment or any other, um, other uh, factors that the individual is having to. So that's uh, how we deal things on nutrigenomics and metabolomics. In that case, right, may I know uh, how do y'all plan to execute the research? Uh, does it mean that y'all will be doing like, uh, you know, taking samples uh, of the genetics or something, uh, a very wide I kind of research? I take blood samples. Mm -hmm. So it all depends upon the analyte or the samples that we want to, to, to take. It's either the urine, the blood samples or whatsoever uh, to detect what's causing the, the malnutrition problem in that individual. It's either obesity, diabetes, or or uh, stunting, no? So that's uh, where, where our research would be uh, geared towards in these uh, few years of my administration. Uh, I see. Okay, so may I know uh, which group of populations will y'all target first? Is it the children that y'all will be targeting first? Well, uh, just this morning we were talking about children, stunting in children. And I think this is also in my pipeline when I assumed uh, the responsibility as a director. This is also in my pipeline, uh, trying to actually discover what's going on in a stunted child. So... Uh, I talk with my uh, with our staff in the nutrigenomics group, trying to discover what else can we do about stunting, because this is a persistent problem in the country. I see. So aside from stunting in children, what are some of the other persistent problems seen in the uh, population? Yeah, our diabetes is increasing among adults 20 years old and over, and uh, also uh, overweight and obesity. It's very uh, alarming. And therefore, uh, it's high time for us to really uh, try to convey messages that are really understandable by the people. Gone are the days that we have to, jar uh, to use jargons in uh, conveying messages, meaning to say um, those that cannot be understood by many. No? That's why FNRI, through our media communication group, uh, will always uh, laymanize or try to transform science-based evidences or science-based information into a more, into a simple and understandable message that people can get through so that they can practice. Because um, then are the days that we use a very technical term, but we cannot see impact on it uh, or, or whether they, they understood or not through, um, uh, you know, application. So what we are trying to drive at is if we have science then this should be understood by the people because we know very well that science is for the people indeed i think the education is very important as well yes, and indeed. yeah coming back to the uh, issue of stunting in children obesity and diabetes in adults right uh, based on the existing understanding uh, what could be some of the reasons behind this yeah in my deeper analysis on the stunting prevalence in the Philippines, uh, which is actually already uh, 
published also in uh, Scopus uh, Index journals, no? we found out that uh, it's not only a diet, it's also more on the environment of the child. So uh, if the child is exposed to a very poor environment with unsanitary toilets and so on, no? with no uh, healthy uh, or uh, no um, hygienic water or you know electricity and no uh, accessibility to um, to the to food these are the things that are actually very common uh, uh, problems of uh, or the causation of uh, stunting in uh, in our national nutrition survey results so uh, I took uh, analysis on the different uh, on uh, stunting no so I took the samples or the individuals who are stunted and um, dig deeper into its uh, causes. And I found out that these are more on the environmental, socioeconomic and environmental factors. I see. Okay. And therefore, uh, going further into the area of nutrigenomics and uh, metabolomics, uh, it's, the, it's the logical direction. Yes. logical next step i see other than uh, understanding the reasons behind uh the problems of stunting obesity right and you also mentioned that uh the institute is involved in making fortified foods developing fortified foods yeah can yes. you tell us more about some of the progress in this area yes uh, because the institute is also a science and technology institute right so we develop uh Food, nutritious food products. Uh, so uh, we have food products addressing uh, uh, nutrient gaps uh, in the Philippines. So if I say nutrient gaps, these are actually the nutrients that we found in our dietary survey that is lacking, you know. So like, for example, the most common now and very popular is our Nutriban. So enhanced Nutriban. We use a real product that is uh, the squash. Yeah, uh, and... Um, we mix it with the uh, ordinary flour, and uh, we have that uh, bun. Uh, it's a, uh, it's very nice. No, it's a good um, snacks for children. Um, it it contains 500 kilocalories, and uh, the Department of Education and Department of Social Welfare and Development are using this for their dry ration, because. Um, they cannot uh, implement the hot meals in school because there are no schools yet. So they deliver uh, this Nutriban to the children as dry ration. In the case of adults, what are some of the efforts? Uh, so for adults, we have the micronutrient growth. Um, uh, we have the micronutrient mix. For in, uh, we have about nine, nine um, nutrients uh, put in that uh, mix, no? And they can just sprinkle it on any food that they want to to eat, no. So it's just like a a salt and a sachet, uh, you know, a salt and a sachet or a sugar and a sachet, wherein they can just uh, sprinkle it on any food. Then they get the nutrients. Uh, that's uh, usually we put around uh, 40, 30 to forty percent of the requirement per day. What does it consist? Is it like mainly vitamins? Yeah. Vitamins and minerals. We have iron, folate, vitamin B12, B2. Um, I think uh, there are nine nutrients in that. Mm. And this uh, sprinkle, right? It's available for sale in the market, so I can just go out and buy and and no. sprinkle. It. Uh, no, they are they are, these are used in the social safety net programs of the government.
Okay, this is really to help those who are at a vulnerable uh, state. I mean, like vulnerable population who might not have the means, right, to go and get more nutritional yes. food. Yes, All that's right. true. The next exciting part is about the VCO and COVID-19. Yeah, we have been, I mean, my publication, New Trial Ingredients Asia, we have been uh, closely following the progress of this clinical trial. So uh, can you share with our uh, audience as well, what are some of the latest updates and also the progress of the trial? Yes, Tim, uh, as you know, this pandemic started last March, March last year, right? So uh, at that time, we were panicking on what to do. It's just because of uh, the tremendous uh, alarm no, caused by this pandemic. So lockdown there, lockdown here, so nobody can go out. no. So what we did was just to, to really um, do some sort of, uh, of uh, literature reviews. I said maybe uh, VCO can help. It's just because VCO is an antiviral uh, agent. So uh, since uh, COVID-19 is, um, uh, is caused by virus, no? So what, what is in my mind and what, is, what was in our mind was uh, maybe we can use the VCO to prevent no? the severity of the signs and symptoms of COVID-19. So it did not take us long. We developed a proposal. True enough, uh, our Department of Science and Technology Secretary and all other um, the director of the Philippine uh, Council for Health Research and Development funded actually the study. And through a collaborative effort, the Philippine Coconut Authority joined the group to provide us with the VCO. <laughs> so, and uh, the, the study site was coordinated by another uh, uh, DOST agency uh, at the regional level, and that's actually Calabarzon. So, can you just imagine a lot of agencies merging together to solve this virus, no? So, um, in short, uh, we develop, uh, I developed the proposal, submitted it, and then we got the funding. So we implemented, and uh, that time we cannot go in close contact with uh, patients because, you know, already that uh, the, we have to observe uh, actually social distancing and minimize the exposure. So what we did was, um, to hire a uh, catering service uh, where we can cook the meals of these patients. And then uh, we have uh, nutritionist dietitians measuring uh, the VCO. So what we did, the VCO was mixed in the cooked meals. We did not cook the, the, the VCO. It was uh, directly mixed with the meals of these patients. And therefore, after mixing it at the catering service, uh, a, a delivery vehicle delivers it to the facility or to the hospital, quarantine hospital or facility. We have two groups, uh, one group receiving only the meals uh, prepared at the catering service and another group receive the meals with VCO. So after 28 days, in short, uh, to make the story short, after 28 days, uh, we measured the, the or, or the study ended, right? However, from day one to uh, day 28, during the period of uh, intervention, we were monitoring the signs and symptoms daily. And we were also monitoring whether intake of the food was, uh, was uh, taken, uh, was uh, completely um, consumed or there were food wastage, uh, plate waste, no? 
The measurements were done at baseline, meaning to say day one of the intervention, day 14, and then day 28. And uh, we uh, when we had a daily uh, observations or uh, monitoring of the signs and symptoms via telecommun uh, te the telephone, no telephone interview with the patients, because the, the patients included in this study were the probable and mild cases only, uh, suspect cases. Yeah. So we still can talk with them because these are not that severe cases. So every day we talk to them uh, about and, and interview them about the signs and symptoms, the meals and so on. So we compared both groups and we saw that those um, groups receiving the VCO has uh, uh, the signs and symptoms were actually diminishing uh, starting at day two or day three of the intervention. While uh, those receiving only the meals, they can only observe the diminishing symptoms, meaning to, meaning to say it's lighter or, or not so, uh, not so uh, severe symptoms at day five. Now, we were, we were trying to look at whether these are only subjective uh, responses. So we took blood samples and it was really a confirmatory test on their C-reactive proteins that the VCO group, the group receiving the virgin coconut oil with the meals have a drop, sudden drop of their C-reactive protein from uh, a very high, per, uh, high uh, level to the lowest level. So CRP or C-reactive protein is an indicator of the presence of infection or inflammation in the individual. Therefore, if that individual has high level of uh, CRP, that means to say there is inflammation or infection still. However, in the VCO group, there was a sudden drop, no? drop from uh, at day um, 14, their their level no of uh, CRP has dropped as low as two milligrams per deciliter. So, however, in the in the control group, um, it has dropped. However, it did not um, go down at the level of uh, normalcy. It was still until the level of five. That is the cutoff. That means to say they are still experiencing um, infection at day 28. So we made we made the conclusion that this VCO is really an antiviral uh, agent that can actually prevent the signs and symptoms of COVID-19 to become severe. When we submitted this to a uh, journal, Scopus Index Journal, they were really uh, impressed on the methodology of the research and it was published usually if i publish a, a, if i publish a, a a manuscript it takes about three four months or five months no but this uh, paper when i publish it it took me only about three months uh, two and a half months and then uh, it got uh, accepted already so these are the things that uh, actually motivated us to push another study because when we were actually presenting this to the department of health for some support, no, to use it uh, for COVID-19 uh, prevention to make uh, for the prevention of the signs and symptoms to become severe, they actually told us to 
to to actually get more samples for uh, to confirm the the previous findings. So now we are having another study. However, the study is already dwelling on uh, moderate and mild cases. So um, uh, we contacted two hospitals that's actually in Valenzuela City here in the Philippines. Uh, we already have around uh, 50 subjects already. And uh, in uh, another hospital is in the uh, hospital of Montinlupa. So um, hopefully we can get uh, 120 patients because that's actually the calculated sample size. And uh, we hope that uh, we will be uh, having uh, those samples uh, very soon so that we can release again the results of this study. So in this case, instead of giving them the meals with the VCO, we give them directly, you know, the, the VCO, the nurse gives it, uh, gives a VCO and a medi uh, medicine uh, glass um, and uh, drink it directly. Because there's a really promising results. Uh, so um, is the research institute also uh, encouraging the population to take in VCO as a preventive measure as well? Currently, uh, we are not advising. However, if they like, they can voluntarily drink it because it's uh, it's grass, meaning to say it's generally safe. Yeah. So yeah. they can take it on a voluntary basis. But we are not advocating because we are not allowed to advocate until such time that DOH approve it as a as a uh, you know as an adjunct supplement to COVID nineteen. I believe, right, this uh, series of projects on VCO will be one of the most memorable ones for you and your team, given the circumstances and the pressing need to find a cure and also a preventive measure against the virus. So aside from this, right, what are some of the, uh, the other research projects that also left a very deep impression on you? And, and why is that the case? Uh, actually, there are a lot. There are numerous uh, because I've been into research for so many years. However, I'd uh, just like to share with you maybe the first uh, the first uh, public uh, or the first publication on uh, persons who use drugs. Okay. Uh, nobody yet uh, have a research on uh, persons who use drugs, right? So we did the research on this, uh, trying to look at what are the nutrition uh, what is the nutritional status of these uh, persons who use drugs most of them are obese uh, and uh, we also measured their mental um, the depression state or level of depression and uh, we developed recipes for them and uh, of course as a nutritionist uh, I instituted or we instituted the nutrition care process in short we have uh, determined. Uh, we have concluded that, uh, or our finding states that the depression level, when they are actually fed well, is actually declining, and uh, there is an increase in the overweight obesity. It's just because patients, um, relatives, go there and give them this kind of food that are not actually um, good for for persons who use drugs. Because if you give more carbohydrates, then they got that energy and the mood no, is so high. So um, uh, what our conclusion is in that is recommending the treatment rehabilitation centers to bar the different uh, 
relatives to give food. They should only eat foods or consume foods that are served in the dietary section because these are already calculated and uh, and the quality of food being served are already determined. They don't have this before. They were just there, put them in that kind of uh, environment with social, uh, with a uh, spiritual, uh, um, spiritual intervention, but not so much catering on trying to make their cells alive again through food. Another memorable uh, uh, research of mine is I was able to increase the budget of uh, the meals for inpatients in government hospitals. Before, our government hospitals just give uh, 30 to 50 pesos per day. Could you just imagine? Mm-hmm. Now, when I calculated those um, meals served for that amount, it did not even cater to about 30% of the requirement of an individual per day. So we had a dialogue with the Department of Health, and now they actually released an administrative order of the Department of Health increasing the, fund, the, the, the cost of meals in different hospitals. Now I'm very happy. It's just because yeah. uh, I have seen results in the research that I have done. So these are the things that are very good uh, uh, where we apply science to policy, you know. Indeed. It's, uh, results, no? Yeah, which makes the research even more meaningful. It's not just about, you know, accumulating knowledge, but also applying it to the real life, right? So in in the first place, right, uh, why did you uh, choose to specialize in nutrition research? (laughs) Yes, uh, actually, uh, Tim, this was not my first, uh, what do you call this, uh, choice Mm. of profession. However, uh, I just come from a very uh, poor family. Mm. And then I said, uh, Hmm, uh, maybe I said to myself, uh, how can I help people just like me who are very, who is very poor? And then I said that when I went to any university, uh, I can, my parents cannot actually uh, uh, subsist me in my, uh, in my college uh, education. So I just chose a uh, course that uh, entailed the lowest uh, tuition fee. You know that. <laughs> so so I said, oh, this is a VS nutrition. It cost me only this much uh, per annum. And uh, therefore, I said, okay, so I'll just enroll. So I enrolled in nutrition. Uh, so now uh, I see I'm not actually regretting why I took nutrition. Why? It's just because this is the only profession wherein I can, you can use it in any aspect of life. Be it be personal or at the individual level or community or with others, no? So you can go to a research, you can go to a uh, public health or community setting, you can go to a uh, restaurant, you can go to a sports and so So there are many uh, opportunities um, of uh, jobs for nutritionist dietitians. Yeah, in, in that case, actually, what's your first choice? Actually, I want to be a medical doctor, <laughs> but then, you know, my family cannot subsist it. So I said, oh, okay. <laughs> actually, to tell you the truth, I, I I, actually want to be a nun before. Oh, okay. 
Yeah, and then uh, and then I said, oh, <laughs> when uh, if I will be a nun, then I will just be in the convent. So uh, maybe um, there will be limited exposure to the community and so on. So my 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 uh, what do you call this? Um, my ambition before was to really help, to really help because I come from a very poor family, and therefore I said I want to help. But how to help? Because myself is really poor so i have to push through you know so it, it i really embed in myself persistence patience and perseverance to attain this kind of position of mine i have to really do a sort of you know persistence and perseverance and patience yeah. because without this i don't have this kind of you know <laughs> uh position right now in the government yeah, indeed. The perseverance, I think the fighting spirit as well is something yeah. that will help to press on, help a person to press on even in times of difficulties. Yeah, thank you so much again, Dr. Imelda, uh, for taking the time to share with us the wonderful insights and also the very interesting uh, life experience that you have. And I also yeah. want to thank you all for joining us on this podcast and please catch the next Mutra Champion podcast again next month.